You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown Las Vegas! Insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now, with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. All right, welcome Raider Nation to the Silver and Black Today postgame show. Raiders lose 24-17 to Khalil Mack. Yes, Khalil Mack. Well, the Los Angeles Chargers, but Khalil Mack uh, had a dominating performance. We're back here with you for the post-game uh, reaction show and joining me as always for the voice of the fan and to get uh, usually some positive feedback. Tonight's going to be a tough one, I think, Murph, just because of how this all went down and who did it <laughs> to the Raiders. Uh, but man, I want to get your reaction. Listen, uh, we're going to get into some of the specifics. Aiden O'Connell's performance, of course, which had lots of rough spots. So the Irish cannon comes out. Everybody wanted to see it. And he had some troubles, no doubt. You expected it from a rookie. Uh, a fatal one at the end there with the, the Raiders on the four-yard line of the Chargers to go in to tie it up, and he throws a interception to Avante Samuel Jr. to end the game, basically. And uh, that's a tough one, but we're going to get into that in a minute. But I want to get your reaction first. This game started so well, and we were doing our chat on the PSF at, uh, app, Corey and I, and it seemed really everything seemed to be going. Defense was playing well. And then there was a lull all the way through up until the fourth quarter when they started to come back. Give me your reaction. Tell me about your emotion. Tell me about how uh, this game was for you throughout the whole process. Uh, it's very deflating. I mean, you know, going coming in off the loss to the Steelers, uh, I think our expectations were low. And so I would like to thank the uh, Las Vegas Raiders for relieving us and me <laughs> of the burden of the expectation for the rest of the season. Uh, I don't expect much more from this team for the rest of the year. Um, I'll continue to identify bright spots and look for areas around the team to be positive, but to have any sort of expectation of postseason or anything uh, competitive with some of the more elite or better teams in the league. I, I think that those days are done, you know, uh, Metallica lost me with, with the album load uh, star Wars lost me at the last Jedi. But I came back when Death Magnetic came out. I came back when The Mandalorian came out. We'll see if the Las Vegas Raiders can put something else out there, uh, you know, to, to bring us back. 
But as of right now, like, I mean, again, I'll always look for those bright spots. I'll always look for those things to be excited about. Um, or, or like, you know, cause my, it's, it's, we call our show Raiders fan radio cause we're fans of this team. So I'm going to look for things to be a fan of. Um, but in terms of an overall and, and again, go back to the expectation, like it's kind of, I mean, it's, it's gone at this point. Well, and it's, it was a tough one because you saw what could be. You saw Aiden O'Connell come out, looked pretty good, uh, and the defense. See, and, and I'll get back to this in the next segment because I really think, despite what happened tonight, if you look at what the Raiders' defense was able to do, a lot better play. So there were some improvements, just not enough to win this game. But also, the first thing we got to address is the, is the big big yellow elephant in the middle of the room. And that was uh, penalties. The Jerry Tillery penalty got ejected. I saw a lot of writer fans saying, well, he shouldn't have been ejected. And uh, Corey brought up a good point. He said, you know, maybe not. But I think at that point, the referees were like, okay, this guy, if he's still in the game, we could have trouble later. So I think they proactively ejected him. Dumb penalty, just ridiculous. It seemed to change the whole momentum, and it was early. The Raiders had kind of stuck. The Chargers scored that touchdown, that first one, but they were able to kind of start to get, I think, some some semblance of some momentum on the defensive side of the ball. And then Jerry Tillery with just one of the most ridiculous out-of-bounds penalties I've ever seen, especially against a quarterback in this league. Um, to me, that that just set the tone, I think. Yeah, you know, I got mixed feelings about that. So in the moment, my initial reaction was like, oh, my gosh, like, like, what, what are we doing there? But then, you know, I'm watching the game with my Uncle Mosh, and he's an old school OG Raider fan. And he's like, uh, that's Raider football. Like, that's the kind of stuff that, like, you know, we talk a lot about the Raiders taking, you know, the mystique and what the, the badassery and, the, and the, you know, the, the, the villain aspect of the Raiders and applying that to the whatever that can look like in the 2023 version of the Raiders. And so when you think of it in those terms of that, it's, you know, yes, I know that, but when, like, ultimately though, it didn't, it didn't hurt the Raiders in terms of the way that the, 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 the plays progressed out. It sucked that we lost him. I think that, that is the thing that um, is, and that's where I kind of go both ways on it because while I can see, you know, the good side of it, of us taking control and really being the aggressor, which is what this team has missed for, quite a while now as being the aggressor. Um, but then you lose that player though. So I think that that's the downside of it, but then we follow it up. Not, and I don't remember, this is all just kind of uh, one glob in my head now, but, um, but also the series where Trayvon Merritt gets it. We, we, we flush out, uh, you know, Herbert force him into a bad throw. Merritt gets the interception. Max Crosby lights his ass up. Uh, you know, and we got, I think Spillane got called on a crack back that they never actually explained out what happened, but like, but that series, like that entire, like that was some raidery stuff going on there it's like and, and i love the fact that max crosby went after freaking uh, justin a bear i love the fact that that's the way that this thing went down so i kind of like like to me and i don't know i'm just a fan but i would rather see an overly aggressive defense that you got to like pull back a little bit than to see them not bring it enough on every single play so i'm not as disrupted as much on that on that, on that, on that, that, that hit out of bounds. Although I get it. And, and I understand the criticism as well, but at the same time, like we're Raiders. So let's do some Raider stuff. Well, yeah, but, and I agree with you. I think the play in the field, we saw some, some nasty hits today. I mean, Malcolm Coons, another good game. Uh, and I really love what's happening with his play. I mean, I think it's, it's huge, but at the same time to hit a quarterback out of bounds, like to hit a quarterback inbounds these days is you have, there's a fine line. I'm not defending it. I'm just saying it is what it is. And to do that out of line, 
out outside of 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 a play out of bounds. He was clearly out of bounds. Even the replay, he does it. And you see Max Crosby, of course, because Max Crosby's all over the field constantly, following him out of bounds, and he just goes like this with his arms. Because that's the kind of play. Now, you want to beat the hell out of somebody in bounds, Murph? I'm with you on that one. But I thought it just set, it just gave them a little extra juice to want to beat the Raiders. So that was first. But that was one play. Okay. Then you have the situation where you get you get the other big sack earlier in the game, too, and you have David Long Jr. offsides, right? He just lines up offsides. Uh, yeah, brutal. So, yeah, yeah. And, and the thing with the penalties tonight, now there were a couple of the penalty on Jacoby Myers. I don't think that was a good call because you saw it happen later in the game twice on the Chargers. Didn't call it. It was a no call then, but it was a call earlier in the game on the big pass to Jacoby Myers from Aiden O'Connell. So so that pe- – but the, the penalties, again, it's not just getting penalties. It's getting penalties that are crucial at crucial moments. Yep. Yep. And, and and that to me was a huge because I really look as outplayed as they got at certain points in this game, they beat themselves yet again. You look at that, you look at those penalties, you look at Aiden O'Connell who struggled. Look, we, we all wanted to see the kid play, and I still think he should play, but at the same time, he held the ball too long. By my count, of all of the sacks, including the six by Khalil Mack. One of them was definitely on O'Connell, no question. He held the ball too long. If he would have dumped the ball off or threw it out of bounds, he would have avoided it. That's a rookie. That's going to happen. But it, it was crazy because the, the other elephant in the room is the offensive line, Murph. I mean, not only did Khalil Mack beat each one of them at least once and multiple times. I mean, Colton Miller had a tough game. Jermaine Illuminor had a tough game. Everybody had a tough game. They got blown away. It reminded me of the Bills game a little bit because they could just not they could not control line of scrimmage. The only time the Raiders were able to move the ball is when Khalil Mack was taking a breather. Yeah, that was rough. I mean, talk about, I mean, stacking insult on injury, man, when, when, when it's Khalil Mack is the one that's, that's doing it to you. And, you know, and I didn't during the game, I made a comment to, to, to my uncle. I was like, you know, it's trading Khalil Mack was, was huge. Like that was, that was such a massive blunder uh, in the rearview mirror. And at the time, and even still to this day, I'll defend the idea of it because yeah. of what the Raiders not only secured in draft capital, mm-hmm. but also what we didn't have to pay, you know, him and that monster contract that he was seeking that he ultimately got from the Bears. And when you look at, like, how did that thing play? And that's what my uncle's point was, like, well, look how that thing played out for the Bears. It didn't play out well. So it's like, I think that the Raiders ultimately, still to this day, again, made a good move. But as a fan, that was our guy. That was our closer. That was our guy that took over games. When you hear them comparing his game today, comparing his to his games in 2015 or other times, you know what I mean? It's just like, damn, like that, that hurts feelings when it's that guy that's, that's getting after it. Because I mean, you know, that guy should have been a lifer for us. That guy should have been a silver, but, but he's not. So we've got to move on from it. But point being though, is that it just adds that extra little something on it. Uh, when you got a guy that was, you know, previously a, a part of this organization in a building block at the time of this organization to now uh, move on. And then now, now do that to our, to our offensive line and do that to our young quarterback. And, and I'm with you. And like, I think that like in terms of O'Connell, like, you know, I didn't. I don't think anyone really thought he was going to go out there and be a gunslinger today in terms of like, <laughs> you know, lighting it up for, you know, five tutties and 400 yards or whatever. But I, I did expect him to take care of the football. I did expect him to take some chances because that's what rookies do. I did expect him to kind of force some throws, and we saw that. A lot of the things that he did today were kind of like, I, I think, a very realistic first game 
for a fourth round rookie. Like I, I think that it was it was a fair game for the for the way that he played. I thought that he managed the clock in terms of like the play management and like things yeah. like that. Like he managed the game very well from those terms. Um, yes, there are some throws he would have wanted back, especially like that last one that that Asante Samuel picks off. I mean, they just read that thing from a mile away, and and so I think that you know, I mean, Jacoby Myers didn't even have his head turned around, and he's already firing that thing out there. So I think there's a different play there to be made. Um, but those are rookie type mistakes. All that said, if you keep him off of his ass 16 or six times by number 52 like maybe we have a different result to this game so not to say that 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 you know he couldn't have been better on on letting ball uh sure. go earlier sure. not to say the offensive work maybe but ultimately that's what it comes down to like it wasn't like sure he hung on to it for a little bit but yeah. it wasn't like he was like camped out back there you know what i mean so like i i kind of understand like all sides of it but at the end of the, end of the day scott the bottom line is this here we are, our first official home game of the year in front of a 70% split uh, of Raider Nation versus Charger fans. And um, and we couldn't get it done, man. And I'm, I'm glad we didn't not get it done by starting Brian Hoyer. Um, but still, man, like we, we, you know, aside from really some, some really fourth quarter things that went in our favor, most, mostly Herbert getting hurt, you know, and, and the way that, you know, Josh doesn't kick the field goal. McDaniels doesn't kick the field goal there. And and a lot of us are going like, why aren't, why aren't we, why aren't we kicking this You know, Why are we kicking this thing? And, and so like, it just, anyways, it, you know, why, why are you punting? When, when, you know what I'm saying? When you're inside yeah. the 57-yard field goal, you got the, one of the best kickers in the league. Like, why are we not kicking the field goal? But then all of a sudden, the Raiders get the ball right back. You know, so it's like I can kind of see, like, all sides of it. But at the end of the yeah. day, we didn't get it done. Josh McDaniels and his body language is, I mean, it's rough. You know, we, we talk a lot about body language on this show. And when you saw it today, the body language is bad. The posture is bad. The energy is low. Uh, you know, outside of that Merrigan interception, I didn't see anybody getting yeah. fiery on, on any occasion. And to me, that just doesn't spell a lot of good things for the Raiders upcoming. This is kind of like another repeat of what we saw last year. It kind of feels like yes. it's, it's just last year playing out all over again. Yes. And I'm going to we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to get into that because I see some people in here saying, hey, this wasn't a coaching problem. I disagree. Part of it, not all of it. Listen, guys play the game on the field. The offensive line in two weeks has had a quarterback go out with a concussion because of being hit. And this game, you have one guy get six sacks against you. The offensive line has regressed horribly since last year. And we're going to get into that a little bit. But I also want to talk about Josh McDaniels because I, to your point about body language, listen, the Raiders, I want you to stack this up and think about this as we go to this quick break. That is the Raiders over the last seven games going back to last year are one and six. One and six. That is not a good trend. I don't care what happened in roster turnover, all that jazz. One and six. That is not good for the head coach. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Murph and I roll on here. Silver and black today. Post-game reaction. Raiders 24-17 losers to the Los Angeles Chargers. We'll be right back. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, welcome back. Silver and Black today, the post-game reaction show. 
Raiders come up short 24-17 down at SoFi in Los Angeles with uh, what the television broadcast said was about a 70%, 70% Raider fan crowd, Raider Nation crowd in Los Angeles for this game. And the Raiders, man, they struggled. They came back, almost got there, and then uh, could not get it done as the rookie Aiden O'Connell throws the interception at the end there. Uh, joining me, as always, for this postgame show is my good friend Murph from Raider Fan Radio. We are talking about this one. And I want to go into this because I want to talk about McDaniel, cause I, McDaniels because you talked about body language as we were in the last segment, uh, and and I get that, uh, and I, I see it as well. But again, we had suspect calls at various points of the game, even at the end when Devontae Adams seemingly had a touchdown. Now, it didn't, it didn't matter because Josh Jacobs ended up carrying the ball in and got the seven anyway. But there was nobody in that coaching staff that said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, throw the challenge flag. throw the, Because clearly Devontae Adams was in the end zone. Now, could they have done it and lost it? Sure, they could have, but I don't think so. I mean, it was clear we saw that goal line view. Even the television broadcasters were like, that's a touchdown. Like, he's clearly over the line. He caught the ball over the line of, of playing the, the plane of the end zone. So I see that. Most of all, Murph, and here's where I'm going to get on my soapbox because I can't believe it. You're down 24 to 10, and you get the ball back. You're in the fourth quarter. And guess what? There's no urgency. Nobody's rushing to the line. They're not running a two-minute offense. I know there was time left. But what happened in this game? They ran out of time. Had they had more time, I don't know what would have happened. If he still throws the interception on the goal line, it maybe still happens. I don't know. But I just can't believe two weeks in a row, you're down multiple scores. And it's like, well, eh, let's roll up to the line. That's coaching. Why is there no urgency? I just don't understand it. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be any urgency behind him at all in any case. And and I'm with you on the game management. Like, Terrible. it seems like it's lackadaisical. It seems like it's laissez-faire. It doesn't seem like there's a sense of urgency. They don't seem to have a sense of urgency around the roster. There's a lot of things where they seemingly don't have a sense of urgency. And, and I'm with you, Scott. I don't understand it either. And when it comes to, like, okay, for someone who is so heralded for calling an amazing offense and won a lot of championships doing it, like, here we are, uh, first and goal, and we're rolling out our quarterback that's not known for his mobility, and we're throwing to a corner of the end zone, and we're reducing it to half the fit. Like, in the meantime, Josh Jacobs is having the game of his life, you know, if not certainly for this season. A first down? Like, why are we not pounding the rock there? And so, like, I look at these kinds of things, and they start to add up, and I, I mean – I will always be a fan of whoever's in the silver and black. You've, you know, you heard me on this show long enough, like, and whether I get accused of being a bootlicker or whatever the other things are that go out there, I'm a huge fan of Josh McDaniels. I want him to be the best coach in the National Football League. But as of right now, the optics are telling us otherwise. It's not good. It's not pretty. Like, you can, there's not even a good way to try to, like, spin it. Like, because it ultimately, again, it comes down to, it comes down to the demeanor, the body language. And again, that, that lack of urgency, like you, that's a, such a great way to put it, Scott, because I think it translates to multiple areas beyond just those things on the field. It's like everything has a freaking, like, just everybody's like, oh, okay. Well, or just, or as, as Josh McDaniels would say, uh, you know, you, you know, 
you know, like that's all he does. And I'm like, come on. No, we don't know, Josh. Figure this shit out. You're the, I'm sorry, Scott. Figure that's this okay. stuff out. You're the, freaking, the head coach of this football team. Like, let's get some oomph, man. Like uh, I saw a graphic that came out uh, this week and it showed what Dan Campbell was in his first stage with the Lions versus what he's done recently. And when you look at that and you look at him, you look at a guy like Bob, Sala, you look at the way mm-hmm. that these, these guys are passionate. They lead. They're they're leading from the you know from the from the front, man. Right. Like they're on the front lines with their guys, and they're bringing this intensity to their team. And even a guy like Mike McDaniel, who's more of a football nerd, he's not this big crazy former athlete or whatever, but he still leads with an intensity. Even yes. for a guy that's you, yeah. can be chill and still have intensity to you. I don't sense anything from Josh McDaniels. I sense indifference and like you know and like that's a great see, point. Whatever. I'll, it's just I don't know, man. I don't I I don't see where it the, the longer this goes on, and the more we see what's going on with the Patriots now, and the more we see what's going on with Josh McDaniels in his second stint as a head coach. I'm sorry, it was Tom Brady. I, I'm fully convinced at this point, like the genius of Belichick and the genius of Josh McDaniels and all that, all that stuff was absolutely fueled and caused by the goat Tom Brady because yeah. I don't see it independently on any level at this but, point. But I, I mean, somebody tell me and convince me otherwise. But that's the issue too. And I know I'm talking about coaching and, and I'm looking at the, the YouTube chat. Thanks for everybody for being in there. And I'm seeing people talk about, yeah, and, and our good friend Ariel saying you can't win with uh, with four turnovers or six four turnovers and six or eight sacks. Yeah, absolutely. That is 100% correct. But where I go back to the, the urgency is – you're behind. You're playing from behind again, right? Last year, they had the problem. They were ahead, and they would lose leads. This year, they're playing behind. They're not scoring. To re- Realize tonight, they scored 17 points tonight, today, okay? That's more than they scored when they beat Denver. They're not scoring points, and I know they had the young quarterback in there. That's part of it. But you're seeing a regression, and when you're seeing a regression with the same amount of talent on the offensive line, you got Greg Van Roten on the right side, veteran came over, very well respected, not saying he's a pro bowler or even an all-pro or anything like that, but you got better in some spots. We all knew the defense. The defense was going to be a work in progress. We knew that. They don't have enough talent there yet. But on offense, this was supposed to be a top 10 offense. And it's all regressed outside of Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, who, who got better today, right? But he's still getting hit behind the line of scrimmage a lot. All this kind of stuff's happening. And so to me, that goes back to coaching. And I just say, are you getting, my simple question is, are you getting better? Even if you lose games, fine. But are you getting better? Do you lose a shootout with the Chargers? Okay. I expected it to be a shootout. I thought, well, they're going to come out. O'Connell will do okay. They'll mix up the play calling. So they, they give him enough to handle without giving him too much. Yeah, they'll stretch the field and go downfield a couple times because the kid's got a cannon, but that doesn't mean you're going to put all this pressure on him. They get behind for a lot of different reasons, and they can't they can't keep Khalil Mack out of the backfield. They can find no way to neutralize him. So what is the coaching staff doing? To me, this is game 21. You've seen what he does. You've seen the coaching staff. They, for some reason, can't get over the hump. I understand you need more talent, but to me... This is just solidifying. Now, it's early in the season, one and three. The chances of making the playoffs, very, very, very slim, okay? They had a chance to kind of turn the narrative today, Murph, and they just they just couldn't yep. get it done. Yeah, I agree. This was this was the chance. You know, we lose lose against the Bills team that, uh, you know, is, is, I mean, has showed today that they are, you know, going to be a Super Bowl favorite. 
Um, we lose a, you know, a scrappy game to the Steelers. It was a huge disappointment, obviously, yeah. uh, being such a huge rival of ours. But this is a team, again, to go back, it's, it's the Chargers. We know we can beat them. It's in L.A. It's a home game. Like, I'm not, you know, there's no excuses. Like, I don't know what the excuse is. You know, the time is there. You know, can they say that, well, we didn't have our guy because we started the rookie. We start, I don't know. Did, if Jimmy G is under center, do, does any, do any of you, and I can't read the chat, and thank you for everybody that's in there, uh, <laughs> and I always go back and read it, so I'd love to hear your comments, but do you feel like if Jimmy G's under center today that you win that football game? I mean, I, I don't think so. You know what I mean? Like, and and I don't think that going forward, like I'm telling you, y'all, I mean, Vegas has all those pretty lights uh, for a reason and all those free hotel rooms and, you know, $2 steaks. And uh, they're, they're, they're making their money on the Raiders not winning six games this year because that was the over under. And I thought it was ridiculous. I thought it was ridiculous when they said it last year, uh, yeah. but here, here we are. Sure enough. I mean, these are teams we should beat. Like the Steelers, we should have beat. Um, freaking, you know, the Chargers, we should have beat them. They were down. Like they were down. God forbid they'd have been at full strength today. You know, yes. you thought Khalil Mack had a day. What if Bosa's on the other side? I mean, Lord have mercy, they'd have had twelve sacks. Like so, uh, you know, this team I think is a long way from winning. And I think a hundred, not one hundred percent of it, but I think a majority of this stuff. It's 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 uh, the, I've uh, in terms of coaching staff now. It's lost me. I mean, yeah. the Ziggler, I think it's a little bit more of a pass. Um, but in terms of the of the regime and the and, and the Josh McDaniels coaching staff, like they've lost me at this point. Patrick Graham's lost me a long time ago. Um, now the head coach has lost me as well. You know, even Carmen Brasillo, as much as we have sung his praises and the in the in the excellence that he has done in coaching on that offensive line. I mean, how do you look at a performance like this today and be like, you know? But again. I think you got to go to the top first before you look at the position coaches even because sure. we've seen them at times do well, but it, the position coaches can only do with the talent that the freaking GM and the head coach supplies them with. And the, the, we went into this off season, you know, with a lot of people and, you know, you and Mo are all over it. Like you, the, the Raiders haven't done enough to address the deficiencies in talent on the defense at the offensive line. And guys like me who are ever long Raider apologists were going like, well, yeah, but they're the ones that look at them in practice every day. So mm -hmm. maybe they see something that we don't see as fans and we got to trust their ability to coach these guys up and blah, blah, blah. And all the other BS reasons that I tell myself that the Raiders, Raiders are going to be better every year. And then sure enough, here we go. None of that stuff happened. And everything that you guys talked about in the off season is showing up now. Like everybody, like, you know, and, and I love your show and I listen to it all the time. And I know a lot of people do, but the guys that are like, you know, like, like me, that are like, I'm just going to look for the reason to, to fan out about this thing. So okay. to find a reason for the Raiders to be good. And I'm, and I'm listening to you guys. I'm like, well, Hey Scott, Mo, like maybe we should think about these other things. Yeah, no, that, no, you're right. Like <laughs> well, I was wrong. And everybody else that thought like me was wrong because you guys called it out from day one. And it was the absolute truth. The Raiders well, who whether that's Mark, Josh and Dave or please Mark, I'm sorry, the, no 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 here's the thing though like I I rather not be right clearly um because we we love, love to see Raider Nation happy number one number two though you're 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 talking about some of the reasons why this team is one and three and, and certainly the talent deficiencies and the question marks and all that stuff no doubt about that but again who who is who is controlling who lead who is the CEO of the team on the field. And you have to look at that. Why is your offensive line regressed? Those guys didn't suddenly wake up and forget how to play football like they did last year for whatever reason. Now, I know it was the same coach last year, but last year they seemed to be more cohesive. Yes, they struggled early on. They got better as the year went on. This year, it seems like, I mean, even Colton Miller, who I love as a player, 
good dude. The whole deal seems to be just overmatched anytime he's against one of the top defenders in the AFC. We saw with Buffalo. We saw again today with Cleo Mack, who was all over the field. So, so to me, it's just you at a point now where how can you, even if you had more talent, would it be achieving what it needs to? And I don't know that it would be because what they do have, they have a talented offense. And guess what? Again, we talked about it last show. Ah. Fifth highest paid against the cap offense in the NFL. Fifth, and, and, and you score 17 points against a Charger defense who has two of its best defenders out. I mean, I understand the rookie quarterback take a little bit back from that, and that's okay because he's going to make mistakes. But overall, again, all the money invested in this offense, and yes, Dave Ziegler has to be responsible for answering that question too. But more so on the field, the questionable motivation, the stuff we heard out of the locker room last week, the stuff we're hearing now, what we saw on the field, it's just not good. And I don't, I don't, I don't want you guys. Listen, we do better when the Raiders do better, right? As content producers, we do shows. And and frankly, when when the Raiders win, we do we do more people. More people watch us on YouTube. More people download our podcast. You name it. So we want the Raiders to win. But it's hard for me to tell to, to have a straight face in looking out there to Raider Nation, to the people I love so much who watch our show and support us, and say it's going to get better. Like I don't know. I can't say that because I don't I don't have confidence in the leadership, especially on the field with the coach, to change the trajectory because they had an opportunity today. They were gifted. A chance at the end there, okay? Many chances, actually, towards the end of the game, and they couldn't get it done. In fact, even Aiden O'Connell, fumbles, yes, interception, yes, he had more yards completions than Justin Herbert, and you lose the game, right? So it's just crazy how this is all, it just doesn't seem like anything is going in the right direction. If you could find some things, defense got better tonight. We'll talk about that in the last segment. But overall, as a structure, as an organization, as a team, how can you look your fans in the face and say, oh, we're just, we just got to get better. You can't do that anymore. Scott, those are, uh, those are amazing points. And I, I think that the most uh, profound out of, out of, out of that, what you just had to say there was that if, you know, McDaniels is supposed to be an offensive genius. He clearly has the talent on the field. Yes. The offensive line questions. Um, but based on their performance of last year, certainly good enough to be, protective of a quarterback and to drive the ball downfield. And the idea that we still haven't seen Hunter Renfro barely involved in the offense. We still Mike, why do we draft Michael Mayer? Like what was the whole point of that? Um, <laughs> when we could have drafted somebody on defense, if we're not going to, exactly. if we're not going to use him. True. Um, like I'm with you that like, if you're not able to manage the strength of your team, how in the heck are we supposed to entrust you to manage through the weaknesses? And, 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 and being that Good our weaknesses are, are, are greater than, than few, like, I'm with you. That's an excellent point, and I think that that's probably the biggest indictment of Josh McDaniels' tenure so far with this Raiders team is that he can't even, you know, or he's well, I say he can't. I hate painting in broad strokes, but he's struggling to achieve in the areas in which he's supposed to be successful. That he's supposed to be, you know, a, a guru at, a you know, a, a expert at, and those things aren't even happening. So the other things are just gonna be that much worse just to be compounded and so yeah again i'm on the flight on this one scott like you know it's like you know like the different stages of grief right like last week was anger this one is freaking sadness and next week i'll just accept the fact that we suck but it's just like (laughs) man i'm just like well man but we're four weeks in i know we're barely getting going four weeks into a long season but i mean again you look at it and and 
And we'll switch gears now to O'Connell because there's a lot, you know, of course, just like everything in the world today, everything is extreme. So everybody wanted Aiden O'Connell to start. Everybody thought, was, I thought it was a good idea because why not see what you have? He starts, he has his struggles, and now he sucks and he's not the answer, right? There's no, there's never any in between. He did do good, some good things. He was 24, 39, 238 yards. Of course, the one interception and the, 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 the fumbles, three fumbles, two were lost uh, one was a blind. The first one, he brought the ball down. Okay, that's on him. The second one, he got blindsided by Cleo Mack. What's that? The tuck rule play. The tuck rule play. It was I, almost. That's what I was saying to Corey. I said, "Oh my gosh, it's like it's like almost exactly the same play." Uh, yeah. But then the second one, Cleo Mack destroys Colton Miller and and hits him blindside. I mean, I don't. You can't blame a, a quarterback. I don't care if it's a veteran or a rookie for that fumble at all. And then of course the interception at the end. So so you look at that. And you think, okay, so you saw what he is. I thought, even despite the issues, he held the ball too long. He needs to do that better. That was not something we saw in the preseason, but welcome to the big leagues, Rook, because when you get into the real action against a first-team defense, I don't care if they're depleted or not, it's a whole different game. And so clearly, his decision-making overall was still pretty good. He had a couple bad throws. The one that Devontae Adams got hurt on was one that was way behind Devontae Adams, and that that really hurt him. So so that that was what I saw from Aiden O'Connell. But I also saw when the offense was moving before the playbook suddenly got skinnier, uh, there just seemed to be better energy on that offense. Then they they get behind, and then the, the the playbook becomes a different thing, and they get more conservative. No plays of the tight ends except the one nice catch by Austin Hooper. You talked about Michael Mayer earlier. Not a lot of routes in the middle of the field. I don't understand why with a rookie quarterback. I get Devontae Adams is going to do his thing, and he's, you're going to find him. Jacoby Myers with a couple of nice grabs, too, including the one that was negated by a, a phantom penalty, in my view. But otherwise, I just don't see the scheming here, when you have a, especially when you have a young quarterback in there. He can sling it, yes, and it's good to go downfield. But did you understand that and think to yourself, why aren't you doing more to put this guy into a position of success? Yeah, when you think about the way that like you get young quarterbacks going is that you build their confidence through short, quick passes, right? You get them open quick. And when we've got slot receivers like, you know, what Jacoby Myers could be if, if, if they put him in the slot, obviously what we have with Hunter Renfro, uh, we have two very capable tight ends. The, the tight end that we drafted, I just mentioned, was supposed to be like the, the, his strength coming out of Notre Dame wasn't blocking. It was catching the football. And we had joked about him being baby Dave, like Dave Casper, because he wore 87 and he's out of Notre Dame. And that was his ability. And being that we, okay, we lost Darren Waller, but we're now bringing in another pass catching, a very capable pass catching tight end. Like, and like, those are the ways that you build rhythm. And it's like, we saw him kind of almost do that on his own with his connections with Josh Jacobs because he had a great connections with Josh. I mean, Josh Jacobs had a great day today uh, and especially catching the football. And those were the seemingly quicker passes that were coming out. But I'm with you because those were like, OK, everything else is covered. So I'm going to dump it down to Josh. Like, why isn't it that we weren't scheming for those things? I mean, He's got a bigger arm than Garoppolo, so I, I don't th- you know unless they were doing the same things like they do to Jimmy, where they just press the line of scrimmage. And I'm not a tape guy, and I have to depend on on those of you that study <laughs> film to, to explain this to me later on. But were they pressing the line of scrimmage, uh, and and were they not worried about the threat of a deep ball going downfield, and so therefore you take that underneath stuff away, or was it just not schemed into it? I don't know what it is, but. I'm a knucklehead in my bonus room that does a podcast. I'm not an offensive genius that's the head coach of a football team. I would trust that that guy should be able to figure it out. 
and 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 I'll and I'll, this is I think the most the most perplexing things to me about this Josh McDaniels tenure and his ability to call a game a play in play out is his inability to adjust. I mean, I, I still yeah. blows me away when I when we and I've I've said it before and and I think that it's the hallmark of those great Patriots teams was their ability to change not only in game, but week to week, one week, they would beat you with tight ends. One week, they would beat you with wide receivers. One week, they would beat you with the running game. One week, you know what I mean? One week, they would oh, beat yeah. you with, with, with slot guys underneath. It was like, they would find out what, what was the thing about Bill Belichick. They will, he will find out what you're good at and take it away. And then he will take advantage of the thing that you're weak at. And that's what he, that's what their whole philosophy was on offense. We hadn't done that at all with Josh McDaniels right. at the helm. So right. I'm with you. So like, did he not set up Aiden O'Connell uh, to be his best today? I don't know. That's again, hard to say people you explain it to me. Yeah. Because yeah. it certainly didn't look like at least not optics to this fan. Yeah. We'll have to look at that. Uh, and I know we'll talk about it on our show as you probably will midweek when you, by the way, go subscribe to Raider fan radio where you can watch, uh, Murph and the team, Jeff. And of course, Michelle, who's on in the chat behind Michelle. It's good to see you. Hope uh, hope you're not uh, drinking too much over the loss. Uh, but also, Johnny Johnny Tillwitz, like Josh McDaniels isn't creative. It's kind of getting to your point about adjustments. Now, I thought he was actually creative on offense to start the game, but again, it gets back to the criticism that we've heard of. Is like, well, when he scripts it, it's great. Like he he gets creative. Yes. We saw some misdirection going on early on, and then it tails off, and then it's gone. Yeah, when he's got weeks or a week to prepare. Then yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, f- I forget what the graphics are, and uh, or at least the st- statistics, but what the Raiders are, and like the first like the scripted plays versus the non-scripted plays, and like when you look at the scripted plays, like they're great. Yeah. Like so, if you ask the guy to go up and drop a play on the chalkboard, like we're awesome. But when it comes to that again, those in-game adjustments and that ability, like that's where we just we freaking it it, it falls apart for us, you know, and and so. When we, when you look at other coaches around the league and either even previous head coaches of the Raiders, like they had that ability to adjust on the fly and to you know whatever to, I mean, I mean can't get more legendary than Al Davis, you know, in terms of like we're not going to take what the defense give or what the, the other team is going to give us. We're going to take what we want. We're going to dictate to you what we do. We're not going to freaking just take what you give us. And I feel like this Raiders team is kind of always playing on their heels, just trying to like kind of take what we're given. And that's just, that's not a recipe for success in today's NFL. I mean, or in any version of the NFL, frankly, like, you know, you got to be the aggressor. And again, that's where I go back to like some of those defensive plays that we made. Like it was nice to see the Raiders being the aggressor. Well, where are we the aggressor on offense? Like, I don't know. Like where, where where are we? pushing and dictating you know we don't do it it doesn't make a lot of sense and that that's what gets frustrating and even watching and covering the team it's just a it's hard to see and again i know everybody's out there wants to fire the coach that's what always happens when there's a losing streak or whatever but it's just getting harder for me to look at a team and again for everything i said before before your answer there about why i'm concerned with what mcdaniels is doing is that it's about leadership okay you don't have enough talent. You get beat by a better team. Okay. The Bills beat you. Now, you could have probably played that game a little better. But nonetheless, you get beat by a team that's clearly superior than you in almost every position. Okay, that's fine. You get it. You move on. You understand that. You learn. But when you are getting beat like they're getting beat over the last six games going back to last year, it starts to snowball. And again, this is where 
you start to see people question whether or not you have the right person leading you. It's a natural human emotion to say, wait a minute, I'm coming in every day. I'm busting my ass. I'm going out there. I mean, you saw that cutaway that's now all over X.com of early in the game when Max Crosby's sitting and you could see in his face dejection, right? Which is unusual for Max Crosby. And of course, he went on to just dominate his side of the game, of course, the rest of the way. But you saw his face. And to me, that's like, wow, to see a guy like that, even if it was for a two-moment period in the game and then he fired it back up, it's still concerning to see somebody of that caliber have that look. Because again, it could be we wherever you work, you if you start to have a manager or a leader and it's just like, man, working hard and we get nowhere, it starts to wear on you. It starts to wear people down. And even the defense towards the end of the game, you could see it. You could see their body language, as you talked about. You could see them just shoulders kind of forward. And even though they made some nice plays, it was you, it's evident that they're just not able to get home on what they're practicing, on what they're drilling on. It's just not working for them. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I mean, aside from something miraculous happening here, I don't see a recovery here from a leadership perspective. I mean, it, it's, it's seemingly going one way at this point. And that's, you know, and we've seen those of us have been Raider fans long enough. We know what this looks like, man. Like it's, <laughs> you know, when it, it starts to go, like we can, we can try to talk our way through it and we can, you know, listen to these press conferences and, and, and try to dissect things that are positive and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, like when, when losing, when you're, when you're on this type of a losing streak, it can't do anything but harm the psyche and and yeah. and and damage the trust and the faith that 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 these men have in their leaders and their leader, you know, McDaniel's. And when he doesn't, you know, when I, here and again, here's the difference when we look at like Josh McDaniels and his lack of success early versus a Dan Campbell and his lack of success early. And I forget what his his record was in his in his first couple seasons. And 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 I, and I wish I had that stuff handy. It was like but four like, and nineteen, if I recall. Right. And now they're what, like 14 and three or whatever in the last however many games, like whatever the thing is. But like, even in those times of losing, you saw a passionate coach go to the podium. And I know that you can't live on emotion. I understand that. And that because emotion is fleet. But, but you don't, but you can be passionate and be consistent at that. And we saw passion coming out of Dan Campbell every press conference. You saw passion out of his players that they, they were, had faith in their leadership. They had faith in their coaching and they knew they were going to get better. Everyone knew everyone in that Detroit locker room knew that team was on the right path and they were all going to be better. And ultimately what happened, it manifested and they were, you point to me, not you, Scott, but the proverbial, (laughs) you point to me to the players in the Raiders locker room that are confident. This thing is turning around. They're confident that if they keep sticking to it, they're going to have better success in the future. That's not, I can't, I haven't seen one player yet. All I hear is trust the process. We got to get better. We got to execute. Not one of them demonstrates or or is demonstrative, at least in their comments, that they have faith in their leadership. And that to me is the big difference. Not that you got to be a big raw, raw guy like Dan Campbell is and to be a big buff badass like he is. But in terms of a leader of men, you got to have that to where you, you you build that faith into the into the folks that you're leading so that they can carry out your vision. And that's we're so far from that right now in Raider Nation. <laughs> well, so again, that's why it, it reminds me. Like, I don't know. 
a lot yeah. of comments about the Patriot way not working. And, and you can't argue with it because again, you talk about Detroit, the guy who was before Campbell, which was Matt Patricia. This seems a lot like that situation. It also seems like, as I had a couple people who cover the league, uh, text me during the game. It's like, man, this looks a lot like it did in Denver when Josh McDaniel. And, and I had one guy tell me, I just don't believe he's changed. And so you start to hear that kind of stuff from people who've watched it for a long time. And you're like, mm, man, it's not, it's not good. Uh, by the way, I want to give a shout out to Ruben 12 Raiders 499 super chat, which goes right to the one nation foundation. So thank you for that, Ruben. We appreciate it. Even in a loss, he's feeling giving back to Raider nation. Uh, and we'll, we'll give Murph will tell you about if you're unfamiliar with the one nation foundation, we'll close out the show. He'll tell you some more information about that. We're going to take our final break. Thanks to everybody in the chat. There's so much going on. I can't, I can't answer it all, uh, but we'll get to you in a second. We're going to close out talking about the little defense and then some final thoughts. Uh, by the way, you are listening to silver and black today and Odyssey original podcast. We're coming back right after this. All right, welcome back to the final segment here of the post-game show. Raiders, they lose to the Chargers down in Los Angeles, 24-17. to Raiders now 1-3, and three, and as I said uh, to start the show, 1-6 over their last seven games going back to last year. And uh, we talked about the offense. We talked about the coaching. I want to just give – I want to end a little bit on a positive here because I saw something out of the defense tonight, uh, Murph, that I liked, especially early on in the game. They had a little bit of lull in the middle, but I'll tell you what, up front, John Jenkins, what he's been able to do in being disruptive. You saw Max Crosby do what Max Crosby does. I can't praise him enough, so I'm just going to, you guys know because you watch the game, you understand it. Uh, but I saw that. I saw Malcolm Kuntz again really come out and ball out. And I thought tonight was the best game they played as far as creating pressure up front against the Chargers. Now, the Chargers were without their starting center. But it doesn't matter. You play against who you play against. And I felt really good about seeing that. Some problems with Ja'Korian Bennett. Again, I like the kid, but there's a couple issues there with him. And in coverage, the biggest issue I have with the Raiders' defense is their tackling and arm tackling and tackling high, which allowed the Chargers to gain extra yards on certain downs. But were you with me on that defensive front? It was nice to see them spark it up. They got left on the field too long because the offense couldn't get it done again. But man, I, I, at least I saw some fight, some of that fight, that like energy you were talking about earlier. Yeah, definitely. I, I guess that that would be one positive to point at. I mean, when you see guys <laughs> like Nestor Jade, you know, and, and, and a couple others like jumping on the pile. It was yeah. funny. That was another comment that, that my uncle made during the, during the game. He's like, when do we start jumping on piles? Like, you know, when you got 300 dudes like, like launching themselves into people on the pile, like that was great to see that kind of level of energy uh, out of the defense. So I'm with you that like, it was, it was nice to see some passion come out of those guys. It was, I mean, especially speaking of Nestor Jade, like finally getting activated, uh, uh, you know, you know, here for the first time uh, in the season to take his first NFL game. So like, so that was, that was, that was definitely encouraging to see, but I'm with you. I mean, but the lapses, um, you know, turnovers are one thing, timing of turnovers are another. And, you know, going back to, you know, previous versions of this Raiders team, when, you know, when you looked at it with the timing of turnovers, you looked at whether that, that turnover may have come in the red zone like it did today, uh, or one of them did. Um, when you look at the timing of those kinds of things, when you put the defense in 
really, you know, challenging positions where they don't just have a chance to defend 80 yards and instead they're defending 20 uh, or 40 or whatever the case may be and, and allow the other team to get in scoring position, like you really compromise their ability to be successful. So there is a little bit of, I, I do have a little bit of, of, of empathy on that side of it that, you know, the defense was charged with a lot today against the Chargers offense that's pretty freaking legit. Like, you know, as much as I think that uh, Justin Bear is overrated, um, you know, he <laughs> and, and he is. Um, he's still pretty freaking good, and they still have Keenan Allen, and they still, you know, what I mean, like they still have playmakers on offense. So, um, so I, I, I certainly give the the defense a little bit of a pass in terms of that nature, and that you know they, they were put in challenging spots, and they remained and 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 kept some fire a little bit. It, it, it certainly more than we saw offensively, and 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 like you mentioned about Max, I think it was a very critical point there that we saw him down, but he brought himself back. What's right, disappointing exactly. is that it wasn't. This is that kind of guy. And that's the thing is that he's a self-motivator, but not everybody is, right? But yeah. he's the kind of guy that can that can get himself going and get himself into to having an impactful game. And not everyone's like that. And that's where leadership comes into play. But anyways, the point being though, um, yeah, let's 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 sing a little bit of praise uh for the defense and the idea that you know we, we held a really good football team, especially offensively, uh, to a decent amount of point and that freaking and even come up big on that. Man, I'll tell you, I don't know how Brandon Staley keeps his job. I, I, I don't that know how he down. kept his job. Again, fourth down. He can't He can't help himself. He can't help himself on fourth down, and it no. rarely works. Like, wad those, you know, uh, uh, analytics, turn them sideways, and, you know, do what The Rock says, and you know what I mean? Like, shove them, because, I mean, that's unbelievable the way that he does it. and it's great for us. Like, I'm yeah. thankful for it, but, man, that just – so anyway, so shout out the defense in terms of that and, and, and shutting down that that fourth down play and uh, and getting to A-Bear the way that they did and, and that little bit of spirit that we saw out of them. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Scott. That that front really, really pushed and made it and made a difference and, and kept it, frankly, competitive today. Yeah, and I mean, look, uh, our good friend Ariel uh, brought up that the defense, if you think about it, 17 points were given up because of turnovers, including two on the Raiders' side of the field. The Chargers had a short field for their first two touchdowns because of turnovers, uh, or excuse me, the second two, because of turnovers. And so you take that out of it and you put your defense, again, you put your defense into a rough spot because they don't get to defend the field for 80 yards. They have to defend the field on 35 yards or on 40 yards. That's a big difference. And of course, they had a dropped interception. Trayvon Morick had one in the end zone. They did get their first interception of the season. Right. So there's that one, too. It just needs to happen a lot more. I think I think now with tonight, there were uh, three. So that was plus 11 minus one. So they're still plus, or they're still minus 10 on the uh, on the turnover ratio, which is not good. The, the offense production will fall again because of what they were able to do there. So we'll have to see see what happens there. But uh, again, a tough one. And um there's a lot of soul searching and it's not going to be a good week because there's going to be a lot of, I think, gnashing of teeth around the coaching situation. Um, I don't think many people will question him on starting the quarterback. I think people understand that. Uh. I think overall, again, Aiden O'Connell made a lot of mistakes. He also did some good things. And so you're seeing what you have. I fully suspect Jimmy Garoppolo to be back in there next year or excuse me, next week. But it was good to see O'Connell. So now you know where he's at. You can work on that and help him get better. And he's going to sit on the bench again. Uh, and we'll see what happens there. But overall, again, I wish I could look at Raider Nation out there, Murph, 
and tell him it's okay. It'll be all right. You guys can still come back. You can still do that. Have some hope. And look, all hope is not lost, but it's really hard when you look at this just because of the way things have been trending. And we'll have to see what this week bears, what changes are made, if any, and how things go down. But uh, <laughs> let me let me get your last words on that before we talk a little bit about uh, the One Nation Foundation. All right, thank you. But I'll, I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna flip it back around. I want to ask you a question. So sure. I, you guys have talked a lot about the really the only way that you see McDaniel's not making year three is if they lose the locker room. Um, we know Mark Davis doesn't like to be embarrassed. He's still his his dad's kid. Mm-hmm. At what point? Like, what do you think it would take? to be the breaking point because I'm with a lot of Raider nation. Like it's, I think it's fair at this point for the lack of success and the way that we have had that lack of success to go back to that comparison to the Dan Campbell thing and all that stuff. Like at what point does he just, does Mark Davis pull the plug on this? And I know that like, and here I am asking a question, so I'm going to shut up and I'll make it quick. But like, I understand that like coaching turnover and frequency of that, it's not healthy for an organization either, but I think there's enough, you know, road laid down here that we realize it's not going in a positive direction. At what point is it, is it merited for Mark Davis to just say, all right, that's it. We're going to elevate someone in house whether that's Rob Ryan or whoever else it may be, or Mick Lombardi or whatever. You're the new head coach and we freaking move on and we chase Jim Harbaugh in the off season or whatever we do. What, what, what is it? What do you think it's going to take for, for that to happen? It's a great question, and and I would have said I would have said we would be a lot closer to that if they would have gotten blown out today. Now it almost happened; they almost got blown out today. They showed some moxie, came back, they had some breaks, and they were on the four yard line, only down by seven. So so you look at that, and I think to lose the locker room and to lose faith from the owner, you have to continue to perhaps spiral downward, which is not good, right? And and I think that. Again, this team has the talent on offense. Why it's not performing is the question. So I think there's more time. I don't think that it's going to be tomorrow, for those of you who really want that to happen after today. But I do think that every loss gets us closer to that because it's not like you're losing on a play. You're losing for all sorts of reasons. There's there's a lack of discipline, obviously, with penalties. There is turnovers occurring. Now, tonight, the turnovers were a little different. But I think that's what you have to look for is you have to look for the, the locker room fracture starting to happen. We already saw Devontae Adams. It was only week three and he was speaking out. If we start to hear more of that from people and it becomes louder and people start talking to the media, to you know, the, the guys who cover the team every day in the locker room, the beat guys, if they start writing about that stuff, that means people are talking to them. And if people are talking to them off the record and giving them stuff, then I think you start to see if you're an owner, okay. you say, wait a minute, this is lost and uh, we can't have this because to your point about being embarrassed as an owner and all that stuff. So to me, I don't think we're there yet, but are we inching closer? Absolutely. And I think you should be to your point. I've always defended, look, you can't be the reason Raider nation has had so much, so much angst or excuse me, misery over the last several decades is because of that constant turnover. And some, and Al Davis owned some of that at the end of his life. Let's be fair. But yeah, as sure. it's, as it's gone along and Mark Davis has tried to learn more about the team he owns and the business he's in, um, he even admitted that he made mistakes. And I, I agree there have been. So that's fine. The chasing of John Gruden, all that stuff. But now you're at a point where it's like, you don't just stick with somebody because you've had too much turnover in the past. If the results aren't getting better and you're not progressing on a timeline, they might have a timeline that says, hey, we need to win four games this year. If that's their timeline, then he, maybe he won't get fired. Uh, but if if that's not the expectation, if the expectation was you won six games last year, I expect eight this year, 
then uh, each game we get closer to that not being a reality or being possible, that's when I think it happens. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, that's a great point, Scott. And I, I'm curious to what, and we'll never know what the conversations are between McDaniels and Mark Davis going into the season. You know, is it, you know, hey, look, Mark, you know, we're it's going to take us a full three years to build this thing. Um, you know, this quarterback class coming out is not real strong. So we're going to ride with a KG veteran like Jimmy G and uh, we'll draft somebody late. And then, you know, hey, look, at odds are we're going to we're going to not be super competitive in 2023. But there's a lot of good quarterbacks coming out, you know, in that following subsequent draft. And so then we'll have, you know, we'll have our, our, our first round quarterback and then Aiden O'Connell to back him up. And like, what, like mm. you never know, like what if this stuff has been planned out and plotted out already. I mean, if anything, we know that Mark Davis is an incredibly successful businessman. He has turned the Raiders around from being one of the most floundering franchises financially into being, you know, one of the, and I don't know what the number is, but I mean, we're up there or, you know, like not the Cowboys level number six, there you go. Most valuable franchise and, you know, and, and, and things are rocking down there in Vegas and props to him. And he is, he has done what his dad was never able to do. He has built that dream of the Raiders having the absolute uh, top notch facilities in terms of place to play, you know, training, all those things. So um, those things are unmatched. Uh, what hasn't been matched yet is the wins and losses yet, you know, and, and I, as you mentioned, Al struggled towards the end as well with a lot of the turnover that he went through. I think we just, we just had the anniversary of the overhead projector incident uh, just this last week, you know? So, I mean, so we, we, we've seen a lot of, uh, a lot of that in Raider nation, but, I, but I'm with you though, that like, I think ultimately it, it, it's, it's, it's come time or it's, it's getting certainly close to time. I know as fans and of course as fans, we're a lot shorter on patience uh, than, than really what we ought to be uh, in terms of the way that, cause if look, I'm sure there was a lot of people, again, I'm going to use this example again. I'm sure there's a lot of people calling for Dan Campbell's head and wanted him to be fired because the Lions didn't have any success. And now look at him. You know what I mean? Now look at where Dan Campbell and those Detroit Lions are. Uh, so anyway, so I, I think that there's something there to be said for for patience with it. But I just don't feel like like McDaniel's is the guy, and I think that it's going to we're inching closer and closer to that to that day, like you said, that where you know you stack up enough losses, even despite again go despite the conversations that might be happening outside of our scope. Yeah. You know, you if they win three games this year, how can you? How can you trust what that guy is telling you is going to work itself out when he can't even, you know, match net, the, the previous year's win total? It was only Correct. six. Like I, you know. Well, so, anyways, and I, all the money on there, again, it, all the money yeah. on offense. I, you, you're spending a yeah. ton of money on offense, and you're not even scoring. So, so there has to be some, and, and you're that's your side of the ball. It's like if you're a defensive coach and your defense stinks, people look at you and say, well, "What's going on?" In this case, it's offense, and, and you got to be able to do more there. So we'll see. Murph, uh, speaking of, of looking at the positive side of things, of course, we know that uh, Murph and his crew, Michelle and Swag Jeff, uh, and say hello to your Uncle Mosh as well, uh, they, they do great work with the, the, with the One Nation Foundation. Which any, any super chats we get here, any proceeds from the Irish Cannon t-shirts or the Midtown Mo t-shirts from DC4L Custom Tees, by the way, Go visit them on their website. It's dc4lcustomtees.com. Any stuff you buy there, $4 from each shirt goes right to the One Nation Foundation. Uh, and we got somebody who's going to be wearing that shirt next week that you'll know pretty good. I'm going to hold that. You'll see pretty soon. Oh, pretty cool idea. Yeah, pretty cool. cool. Um, but anyway, they do great work for Raiders Charities. And so I want to turn it over to Murph here as we do in every show, just to let you know, because if you do a super chat, 
great. If you don't, you can go to their website or you can watch Raiders Fan Radio on Wednesday nights when they go live and you can donate there any way you want to do it. But Murph, tell them everything that you guys are up to. I appreciate that, Scott. Yeah, as always for the platform. And so uh, we figured out a few years ago that we could raise money with our show, Raiders Fan Radio, and we quickly decided we wanted to give all that money away. Uh, So we started a nonprofit organization called the One Nation Foundation, and we give to strictly Raiders-related charities. Uh, We've given to the Raider dad folks this year who take underprivileged kids and their families uh, to Raider games. And then we're also getting ready to present a check to the Bolitnikoff Foundation. Uh, The Bolitnikoffs provide safe places for young women at risk of substance abuse and domestic violence. And so not only bring them in and offer safe places, but give them rehabilitative services as well. Uh, they're, they're literally doing the Lord's work there. Uh, the great Fred Bolitnikoff and his wife, Angela. And so uh, our foundation is going to present a check for $15,000 uh, on behalf of Raider Nation, on behalf of you all and the amazing wow. generosity that you all have had this year uh, through all those super chats, through selling the shirts, uh, uh, again, uh, sorry, super chats from selling uh, merch like the t-shirts to also any sort of direct donations and things that we get, any of the raffles that that we have done um and so we appreciate you raider nation so very much and even if you can't give monetarily we just ask that you hit a like hit a subscribe um silver and black today here has been an amazing platform for us as i mentioned scott and mo have been amazing in helping us amplify our voice of the foundation so you know support those guys uh, make sure you hit those hit all the buttons smash the bell as the kids say hit a retweet <laughs> that kind of stuff to help their show uh, and help ours as well. Raiders fan radio, uh, all that stuff generates advertising opportunities for us and all the advertising money that we get. We give a hundred percent of that away to Raiders related charities and like the manscape folks have just come on with us. And so we're thankful for that as, as a corporate partner uh, of the one nation foundation Raiders fan radio. So um, those advertising opportunities are huge. Uh, I'm wearing a shirt tonight for the boys. Shout out the boys, Will Compton and the boys are busting with the boys. Also a huge uh, uh, donator to the One Nation Foundation this year and supporter and can't appreciate him and, and that crew enough. And so, yeah, thank you all very much for what you do. And, you know, I, we always just say we're the vessels, we're the knuckleheads with microphones with an opinion about the Raiders, talking about them on the, in our bonus room. Uh, you guys <laughs> are the ones and your generosity is what propels all this. So we cannot thank you enough. And thank you again, Scott, uh, for, for having a voice here on this platform. Thank you so much. Of course, my pleasure. Doing great work out there. And I know that's the thing, despite wins or losses or whatever's going on with the team, it's always amazing to me how Raider Nation bands together. And that's exactly what the One Nation Foundation, helping Raider charities as well. So keeping it in the family, doing great work. So make sure you do that. We certainly appreciate it. Make sure you follow Murph on x.com underscore M-U-R-F. You can also go Uh, to YouTube, as he asked, and as I'm telling you, you must do, go subscribe to the Raiders Fan Radio uh, channel there on YouTube as well. Also, don't forget, subscribe to this podcast, right? We're going to be back on Tuesday, Mo and I. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your audio. Hit the subscription button, hit on the auto download. That way, every time we have a new show, it gets pushed to you right away. We will, of course, be back with another live post game next week. Uh, But in the meantime, Make sure you listen in to our regular shows. Murph, as always, my friend, it is a pleasure. I appreciate the time. Look forward to watching you guys on Wednesday night and to talking to you next week. All right. Look forward to talking to you after Monday Night Football. Scott, let's go two and three. Yes. Here we go. Another late <laughs> night. It'll be great. All right. Against the Packers. Thanks, we'll see what they're able to do. All right. Have a good night, Bye. Mike. Take care. All right. See you, bud. All right. There you go. That's going to close it out for the show. By the way, everybody out there in the chat, thank you so much. Uh, for being in there. And obviously, as I'm running the show at the same time, 
Uh, I don't always get to the messages, but I saw some of the super chats. Thank you so much for that. Thanks to everybody in there. Raider Worm. Of course, we have Gaureb in there. I think I said that right. I can't remember. And everybody, Ariel, all the folks in there. MDM, long time no here. Thank you for being back. Uh, but also make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're not already a subscriber here, please do so. And we'll do that as well. And I will have my piece tomorrow, my post-game piece on the Raiders up on sportsnot.com. Also, ask you to do a favor. Evan Grote, you know him from Just Pop Baby, another Raider podcaster. We now have the NFL Playbook podcast from sportsnot.com uh, where we cover the entire league. It comes out on Thursdays. So go follow us on x.com there. It's the NFL Playbook pod. And then uh, also like that channel uh, on YouTube as well. It's the sportsnot.com channel. So thank you guys. I appreciate it. As always, Raider Nation, sorry about the loss, but we will be back here to talk about where this team goes next on Tuesday for our producer, excuse me. See, I can't even talk now for our producer, Mike Robbie, for Murph from Raiders fan radio. I am Scott Branson. Take care, everybody. Have a great week.